0: Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society is on Patreon? Patreon allows you to support our work by becoming dues-paying members of our society. We are an independent, women-run endeavor with a commitment to delivering the highest quality listening experience to our community. And so we've taught ourselves how to record, edit, and produce a podcast in midlife, a time when most of us are asking our kids how to regram a TikTok so that we can deliver episodes that truly speak to you. Support from PCPS patrons means that we can devote more of our time and resources to the content, sources, equipment, software, hosting, and research that you've come to depend on without worrying about how to pay the bills. So thank you. We appreciate you. From the bottom of our bell-bottomed hearts. How would you lose your virginity (laughs) at an (laughs) all-girls camp in the sense that they mean um, when there are no penises? Right, right, right. Lack of penis should be a
1: problem. Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy.
0: Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who learned the word virgin from Lance Kerwin on
1: James at 15. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition.
2: And today we are watching and discussing the iconic 1980 movie with the bet of all bets, Little Darlings.
1: I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen.
0: And
2: I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Welcome, listeners, to another one of our post watch parties. Okay, so we just finished watching Little Darlings together. One of us watching it unedited for the very first time, and we have much to discuss.
1: Oh, do we ever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If you guys have never done one of those watch parties, they're pretty fun. You could just, with your friends, you all watch the same movie on whatever streaming service, and then you can have, you have a chat room going, and it's, it's really fun. So Little Darlings was released on March 21st, 1980. Happy 11th birthday to me. Um, and was rated R, which means I definitely did not see it in the theater. Although I really feel like I did, but, you know, my memory. I know. I feel like
0: I did, but I know I absolutely did not. It's possible that the Stein girl saw it and just told it to me word for word.
1: <laughs> well, I know I saw it in the theater because I saw it with my mother.
0: God, and I can't believe I know. And my,
1: that. And one crazy. of my best friends and her mother. Luckily, they let us sit in the different part of the theater, so we weren't sitting right next to them. Thank God. As I'm rewatching it, I kept thinking, uh, my mother was in the theater too, and like I don't remember talking about it after necessarily, but oh, I remember cringing, thinking, "Oh my gosh, can't believe I can't I can't believe there was no
0: like." Carolyn, do you have any questions for Mama?
1: There might have been, and I might have just blacked it, you know, blocked that out right. of my memory or stop something. Stop talking!
0: Stop talking! Stop talking! Yes. Please, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Turn exactly. up the radio. Did you just turn up the radio in the car? I'm assuming that I either – because the, the movie's very familiar to me. I have real feelings about it, even mm-hmm. though I had some wrong ideas about what it was when watching it. So I either watched it on TV – after the Stein girls gave me the play-by-play, where it would have been heavily edited. And I know for sure that I read the book. And Carolyn asked the question, was this based on a book or did the book come after? I know that the copy that I read had Tatum O'Neill and Christy McNichol on the cover. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it was a novelization of the movie. And I know I had feelings.
2: Well, my memories of this movie are marked by that Feeling we've talked about, that funny, twisty, mm-hmm. almost like I might cry, nostalgic feeling. So when we yep. first began yep. um, this podcast and I was brainstorming topics, I came across the poster for this movie and I instantly got that feeling, like instantly. Why? What is it that causes that with some things from our childhoods and not with others? I don't know. But regardless, I have very strong and like almost twisty feelings deep inside about this movie.
0: Um, You guys,
2: um, listeners, they're nodding their heads. It sounds like crickets, but they're (laughs) nodding their heads. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this movie is so iconic from its stars who couldn't have been hotter at the time to the risque plot, although really not that risque for 1980, um, to that iconic poster I love that movie poster so much it's
0: Tatum and Christy they're back to back they're looking at each other they're like lean they're like sitting on the ground with their knees up and they're leaning their backs against each other and like turning to look at each other right yes and is there more a more
2: dynamic duo from 1980 than those two I know, honestly that
0: was a good I pairing I actually wish and you know we'll dive into the movie a little deeper later but I in my mind, there was much more Tatum O'Neill, Christy McNichol dynamic duo, and you really don't get that until... It's not mm-hmm. as much as I remembered. It's just mm-hmm. not as much as I remembered.
2: Yeah. Do you guys want to know a fun fact? Um, I, was, I have some other fun facts that I'll maybe save, or maybe I'll pepper them through this um, conversation. Yeah. But back in 1976, Christy McNichol had auditioned for and been cast as the lead, Amanda, in The Bad News Bears.
0: <gasps> no way. Mm-hmm. There's but bad news about bears? I know. (laughs) Tell your brother it's okay.
2: (laughs) But the producers changed their minds at the very last minute and they gave the role to Tatum O'Neill instead. And it said that Christy McNichol was crushed. She really, really wanted that role and she thought she had it.
0: I I can totally see that, too. She would be good in that role also. Tatum mm-hmm. O'Neill was perfect. Mm-hmm. So you can see how these two actors were sort of like neck and neck. It was like a horse race in the late 70s.
1: Right. And I think that Christy, from what I have read, kind of um, lost out on a few things because they didn't think she had the, um, you know, the star quality in terms of motion mm-hmm. picture. She was a television star, oh. but she didn't have that um, motion picture film credit to her so that I think was a ding until really until this movie and they saw she had mm-hmm. some real chops I mean honestly I think she was a little bit of I mean mm-hmm. I think she was the best actress oh right? absolutely In the whole thing
0: and Tana right, O'Neill right. had won an Oscar right for mm-hmm. well, yeah Moon. but she was 10 I mean yeah mm-hmm. but man she, she was rode team that me. train
2: Rode that train for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So, Little Darlings was marketed with the tagline "Don't let the title fool you," which is a reference to a scene in which Randy comments on Angel's name, um, and she says, mm-hmm. Angel, "Angel is what's her name," McNickle. and she says, "Angel, yeah," and she says, "Don't mm-hmm. let the name fool you." Um, film critic Roger Ebert said the um, said about Little Darlings somehow it does it does succeed in treating the awesome and scary subject of sexual initiation with some of the dignity it deserves. And you guys, I hadn't seen this movie in probably 35 years, but I watched it about a year ago when we were preparing for our great, if I should say it, it is great episode on our OG crush, Christy McNichol. Um, You guys, maybe my twisty feeling is love that I get
0: when I yeah. see her. Oh <laughs> my God, seriously. It really is. It's
2: like mm-hmm. a weird, it's a weird like crush love thing. I agree with Roger Ebert when he says that it does succeed in treating the subject of sexual initiation with some of the dignity it deserves. And I, 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 I want to see what you guys yeah, think. And I think I we'll totally get into agree. that in more detail when mm-hmm. we get to those scenes in a little bit.
0: It's far more nuanced than I than I recall. And so I said to you guys earlier, even though I thought I had seen it on TV and I had read the book, when I sitting down for this watching, I expected to watch Meatballs and like a like a frantic, hilarious slapstick camp movie with Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill, and that's not what it is at all. And so then because I knew what the plot was, that it's these two girls in a race to lose their virginity, I thought that would be, you know, let hilarity ensue and probably glorifying. Um, you know, getting that first boink. And it it was so much more nuanced than that because both Tatum O'Neill and Christy McNichol have completely divergent experiences and there are all sorts of different ways that they come away feeling about it.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think that as you speak about that nuance, I probably didn't get that when I was watching this movie for the first time. Um, That was kind of over my head. So it, it was nice to get to watch it again now mm-hmm. as an adult, um, and I feel like there were really some good messages in there that I hope maybe my mom and I maybe talked about a little <laughs> bit later that maybe I just don't remember, because I do think there are some things that would lend themselves to a conversation with your child if you were oh, so, likely so likely mm-hmm. to have one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad we chose to watch it again. There, There are some like excuse the pun, but, you know, campy kind of parts <laughs> to it. But it really, the message is um, is true then and it's true today. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that there was um, an avenue for that because it was mm-hmm. certainly not a meatballs. It was not a porkies.
2: Mm-mm. Yeah. And no, there's definitely layers to this movie that I did not get when whenever it was the first time I saw it and all the multiple times I saw it over the next probably few years in the early eighties at sleepovers or wherever, or, Kristen, on TV, because when you said you think you saw it on TV, mm-hmm. it that's possible that's the first time um, I saw it, because Little Darlings was shown on television in a heavily edited version, and it had all the sex-related scenes and dialogue removed, um, giving the impression that instead of trying to lose their virginity, Angel and Ferris were in a competition simply to make a guy fall in love with them. Okay, so should we get into the movie, you guys? Should we kind of walk that. through the movie? Mm-hmm, yes. Okay, let's do it.
0: She's going to show the bar what she's really got Stop it and make
2: it Right away at the beginning, we are shown the tremendous difference of the two girls. Um, we start by meeting Angel, who's played by Christy McNichol. Um We see her as being just, you know, tough, independent, she's street-wise. You know she immediately kicks a guy in the nuts. Um, what did you guys think when we first met Angel?
0: Well, the first – they signal to us right away who Angel is because the first action she takes is by pulling out a cigarette and lighting a cigarette. And the funny thing is that the feeling that I got when I saw her do that was that I so wanted to be Christy McNichol <laughs> with her little cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Gosh. And <laughs> Isn't you
1: know that she great? Looked, she I looked know. so natural doing it. It didn't for some reason with the exception of um, you know her doing it throughout the movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like she knew what she was doing. And mm-hmm. I read, and maybe, Michelle, you read the same thing. She learned yeah. to smoke yeah. for that um, oh, movie. And what I find interesting is I thought, you know, they have like those fake cigarettes. Right. But no, no it was real. And she, she got became addicted. addicted from no way. Yes. She smoked for a long time afterwards Guess. because of that movie. Guess who taught her how to smoke and, for oh that movie? Tatum O'Neill. Oh <laughs> and guess when she learned how to smoke?
0: I don't know. On the Paper Moon. Yes. When she's 9 At ten years, years old. Years old yes. Yeah. 9 years old. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. which is crazy. Tatum O'Neill was smoking in Bad News Bears too. That's the first scene with her. She's selling her yes. star maps and she lights up a cigarette and Walter Matthau says, "You shouldn't be smoking." She's like, "I like <laughs> it." Yeah, crazy. Maybe that's why she ended up ultimately
2: getting the role. Um and they changed their minds. Because they're smoker. like, you know what, that other girl can't smoke. Um, okay, so we see Angel. I also love the scene where she gets in the car. Her mom is um, you know, comes up in the convertible, the bright red lipstick, you know, beautiful, really young looking mom has the cigarette and she says, You shouldn't smoke. <laughs> she has a cigarette in between her yeah, lips. Right. Um and then and she's living, you can tell, just like I said, streetwise, you know, kind of a rundown apartment building. Um, Mm -hmm. just doesn't look like, you know, she has a lot. But then we immediately see Ferris getting ready to leave for camp and she has a chauffeur and it's in a big mansion with columns and she's in this beautiful white pantsuit with her little paper boy hat. She's obviously rich. You can tell right away that, you know, she's kind of naive and prissy um, and that could just be a cliched thing we're getting right away, a cliche, but um, she's very mm-hmm. beautiful. And so, yeah, so how did your, um, how did your opinions differ for Ferris?
0: Well, it's funny because I immediately got a Parent Trap vibe. When mm-hmm. I saw them right. doing you the said opposites, like we've got the the girl from the woods and or the street, and then the girl from the mansion, and it seems like a trope that is um, well, it works. It works. You got to yeah. have two mm-hmm. opposites to make a good story, right? It does, and they're, they they yeah.
2: definitely right away. The dynamic is that they're enemies before they even know each other because mm-hmm. they get on the bus, and Ferris has to has to find a seat, and she sits down next to Angel, who's already smoking a cigarette on the camp on the bus. The bus, on the bus. To camp. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And right away, um, she doesn't want her to sit there and she says this seat's taken and it's all the kind of you know the conversation you would imagine.
0: And they get in a fight on the bus. Like a fist fight. And yeah. I will say Christy McNichol kicked her ass. And she looked really <laughs> natural. Because yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, when that scene was coming, I'm like, this is gonna be awkward because they're young girls trying to throw punches, and that's not a natural activity for most people. A Christy McNichol threw down. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: You know, I've always told you guys that, like, I was always um, drawn to the good girl. I was always drawn to the little sister or the innocent one, and the 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 dangerous one scared me. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, in this movie, I was so drawn to Christy McNichol. That is, <laughs> I'm sure there's so people funny. out there going, Michelle, have you checked your sexuality? Which um, is <laughs> <so>, fine. <laughs> Fair question. Um, it's a I continuum. Think I am- I am, I'm, yes, I'm happy heterosexual. However, if I was not going to be Christy McNichol. Take my number. Um, mm-hmm. But so then we're introduced right away to the other campers. And some of them, um, and they're all, of course, the people that are going to be in their cabin conveniently are sitting right behind them. And so I'm just going to point out a couple that um, are going to keep coming up in this conversation. So we have Cinder, who's played by Krista Erickson, And she right away, we see before she gets on the bus, she's doing that open mouth kissing thing with her boyfriend where they're literally Ugh. eating each other's faces.
1: Ugh. And it's
0: gross, and it's not natural. And I swear that is the thing that made me afraid of kissing. Yeah, yeah, and
1: And that's how it's always depicted. I swear, in Mm -hmm. those kind of movies, Um, yeah. And when I'd read a book, and that's how they were kissing. You know, French. That's what I saw. Just like
0: the giant mouth. You don't know what's going on. It's like a and the faces twist back and forth. Yes. Yes. Actually, when I was really little, I thought that's how you got pregnant when you opened your mouth.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. Lord. And I learned wow. that
0: from Erica, Kane, and Philip Brent on All My Children.
1: Oh, wow. So we
2: have Cinder, <laughs> and so th- she gets on the bus then, and we learn she's engaged, and she looks like she's all of 15. And then um, other campers of note are um, Sunshine, who's this little hippie child, looks like she's about eleven, and that's played by a very young and sweet Cynthia Nixon. Um, oh she has so a little so flower sweet. wreath in her hair. Mm-hmm. You can see when she gets on the bus, her parents are kind of hippies. Um, and then Dana, and she's played by PCPS favorite Alexa Keenan, who has come up time and time again in our in our podcast and. RIP to Alexa Keenan because she did have a tragic early death that is, I think has gone unsolved. Um oh, God. But, you know, she's been really? in several things that we've um, talked about. We love Alexa Keenan on this podcast. She's in a lot of stuff from the 70s. And so she plays Dana. And then um, we're going to meet... Um, little 10-year-old Penelope. I think she's around 10. Um, mm-hmm. She's played by Jen Thompson. And we'll get more into Penelope later. So the bus, Um, they they get in the fight. The bus driver pulls over. They stop the fight. So he continues going, which I thought was so funny how he's like,
1: right. what's going on back <laughs> well, He stopped. I didn't think he was even going to stop. I mean, no, it's not, not from smoking yeah. or whatever. Didn't call that out. He's just going to keep on going. But Thank goodness.
2: Yeah. And so then a really key scene that's going to set this whole movie up is the bus stops at a bathroom, a public restroom for a potty break. And while they're all in the bathroom, um, Cinder, we're all going to agree on, I think we don't, we're not going to like Cinder, right? And I think from the very beginning, we're not. She's like, where's the weirdest place you ever did it? And so she's that girl who we all knew at, in middle school or something, when some of us, I'm raising my hand were so inexperienced, who were talking about all their sexual exploits, right, and asking you questions about have you ever French kissed a boy or whoever, and you feel so uncomfortable, and so sometimes you just lie and say you have, but you know that one girl who always, in a way of bragging, has to just ask everybody else like what they've done. Yes. That's mm-hmm. sure, right?
0: And I so, would have been like, so she's like, did it? Where was the weirdest time? Where's the weirdest place you did it? I would have been like, did what? <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not have any
1: what. Well, she would have said fourth base, which I wanted to say. I still don't know what that is. Base?
0: I know I, mean, I would you know, have said I hate home,
1: baseball. I this don't is know. not a
0: home run. So what is that? <laughs> right. That's was an extra base confused. that I don't know about.
2: I was so confused about those bases. So anyway, so the, some of the girls you hear the you hear someone say roller coaster, and you hear some other girls. I think are answering. <laughs> that's a lie. Right? Yeah. yeah, angels just kind of kicked back in the corner by the sink, smoking her cigarette, and she says, "I think guys are a pain in the ass," and. To that, Cinder immediately accuses her of being a lesbian, but she says it this way. You're, they're probably lezzies talking about mm-hmm. um, Angel and Ferris, because Ferris is very quiet as well. So she says, probably lezzies, and Ferris immediately says, maybe she is, but I'm straight.
0: I think guys are a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Two little virgins, quite. <laughs> no wonder you're always fighting. Our least
1: energy. <laughs> probably <Lizzie's. What?
0: laughs> Maybe she
1: is, but I'm straight. It's. I probably didn't scene, even know actually. what that meant. Oh, I, I, I did. When yeah. I saw that, I was probably thought I couldn't hear it right or something.
0: Especially because they say Leslie. Lesley. So yeah. I didn't know what Lesley's. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was. Right. And I and it is as adults. It's a difficult scene to watch. I'm not well, yes. at that time. You know, being homophobic was. You know, yay. Let's all be homophobic. <laughs> But now it feels really awful.
1: Right. Well, especially with what we know, um, you know, knowing about Christy McNichols' um, sexuality now. We didn't then, Mm -hmm. but watching it as an adult and going, oh, yikes. Like, how did that make her feel?
0: And she would have been at the age when she was just figuring that out, right? She was probably just starting to discover who she was and what she should do about it. And then somebody comes and writes that scene and asks her, to be in the midst of this homophobic scene. So she's learning, oh, I see, keep it quiet. That's Mm -hmm. what she's right? And and we we talked
2: about this in our Christy McNichol episode, how painful that was for her, because I think in our research back then, we did find out that she was, at the time, having these types of feelings and stuff. Uh It wasn't long after that she did come out, I don't think. But anyway, the line keeps going on where then Cinder's like, she tried to grab my tits, you know, they're like, they mm-hmm. just keep oh, it yeah. going and make it seem like this is a really bad thing. And let's be right. real. There's still, to this day, girls who would make those types of
0: comments, right? Oh, As yeah, if, like, this is sure. a bad thing. Um, She's a, Cinder so, is a classic ringleader, and she does uh-huh. it through intimidation and condescension.
2: For sure, yeah. So yes. they, get, they get back on the bus. They get to camp. They find out oh, wow, we're all happen to be in the same cabin. Um, and walking, you know, Cinder cannot let it go. So she's walking with Ferris and she tells her, we're going to find somebody for you this summer. And Ferris is a little put off by that. She's sort of like,
0: okay... Because somehow in the bathroom, she she must have said she was a virgin or she said she didn't know. there Something is established in the bathroom where yeah. everybody has done it on roller coasters except for Ferris and Angel. And Angel, right. And yeah. so by the time they
2: get in the cabin, this is still that same girl, that intimidating girl, who will not let it go. And she says she will bet her residual check because we find out that Cinder <laughs> is also a hair model. She's been on a commercial for like some... For cream know. rinse, you
1: which I had the last, when's the last right. time you're, do they even make cream rinse anymore? I don't even think.
0: <laughs> and yeah, or is support. it the same thing as conditioner? Is it well, the same? I think there was yeah. a
1: slight difference. I had oh. a friend who, she said that cream rinse was much more oily, like it would, it could really make your hair flat. I don't know. It probably was just a marketing thing, but she, I forget, there was one brand that was just something cream rinse. And yeah. She, anyway.
2: And we still don't know. We still have no, no we don't idea. No, no.
1: And it but sounds gross.
2: It does, but but anyway, Cinder says she's going to. She'll bet her residual check that Ferris will become a woman by the end of the summer. That is a big old whopping one hundred bucks. Her residual check.
0: Um,
1: $100. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <But> why this- <laughs> is it pinned up on the bulletin board? Yes, her right. check I is think- on the bulletin board. I thought that was yeah, so funny, Yeah, I'll be calling too. out a lot of that stuff yes. in this movie <laughs> because it, it. I missed my calling in as a, you know, whatever, those set right. watchers who can call out things that don't make mm-hmm. any sense. I know. That's what we go, need to be. One. We need to be. They're like continuity She pulls it off the something.
0: bulletin board when she yes.
2: $100. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> I brought it to camp. Um, right. So, brains. but then she has to keep it going because again, Cinder's one of these despicable girls that we don't like. So she decides she's going to make it a contest against who, 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 and she's looking around the room. And Dana Alexa Keenan is um, looks down in her book right away. They all avert eyes yes. <laughs> except for Angel, who's just leaning against her bed, smoking a cigarette. And you know what? She's still tough. smoking.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So she decides she's going to make it a contest pitting Ferris against Angel, who will lose their virginity first. Angel versus Ferris. Whoever loses virginity first wins. And Ferris seems uncomfortable right away, and she just goes into the bathroom. But Angel is just tough, and she's just sort of sitting there like, pretty much like, bring it on, right? Like,
1: I'll Mm -hmm. do it. Which seems really odd to me, I mean, just the premise of that, because they're at an all-girls camp, it doesn't look like they really ever mix with the boys' camp. It's just we'll, we'll get to the how. Yeah, people there isn't much about that. But it's like, where's that? the um, where are the boys? Uh, yeah, where's yeah? gonna be this opportunity to lose your virginity because we're at an all girls camp. That so is an here we go. I'm starting to think in
0: the middle of the wilderness. And there's <laughs> been you no. Know, there are some things about a boys' camp later, but up to that point, we have mm-hmm. no knowledge right. that there's a boys' camp anywhere. Right. And is it
1: associated and with the girls' camp? She doesn't even meet him at a, the boys. No. Th- the boys' camp. So right. Yeah,
0: that's a very Good How point. would okay, you so lose your virginity <laughs> at an all girls camp in the sense that they mean right, right? um When there are no penises, right, right, right.
2: <laughs> Lack of penis should be a problem. Okay, uh-huh. so That's right. then okay, so the girls all start putting money. You start. We see them all divide up into teams immediately. So just some notable team ones: Ferris, team Cinder, Cinder. We know Cinder and um Sunshine are going to be Team Ferris. We see that um Dana. Um, is going to be Team Angel right away. And then there's little Penelope with the little girl. Those of you have seen the movie, you'll remember she is the little one with the pigtails who basically kind of sneaks her way into their cabin. She's supposed to go to the kid's cabin, but she's like, oh, those kids, they're so childish. They know nothing. And she's adorable and she ends up being <laughs> part of so the group.
0: She's yeah, basically she some- the tootie of the group.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, totally the TV yes. of the group. And she has some She's of the, the funniest tootie. little
0: scenes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So, but then- this whole movie has a big facts of life vibe to it. Right. Yeah. It's a girl's school, yeah. girl's camp. They're all figuring it out together. They look like, you know, who's the Lisa Welch yeah. character? It's Cinder. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. 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 And Joe is totally Christy McNichol. Or yes. actually,
0: I think, I think oh, Blair it could be
2: Dana. is, I think Blair is Faina, Faina, Ferris. I think <laughs> Blair is Ferris and oh, maybe. Um, Angel yep. is Joe. But anyway, um, so, but now it's not just their cabin. But very quickly we see like in the cafeteria, girls are kind of coming and slipping the money and they're all wearing team shirts. Like you'll see this whole group of girls that says angel on their shirt or Ferris Mm -hmm. and they're slipping, um, they're slipping cinder money. So it's pretty funny that the whole camp very quickly learns about this bet. So, um, then our girls and our, and our, our main cabin, they, um, they run through the woods and they have binoculars and they're spying on the boys camp. Um, Camp Tomahawk across the lake. And strangely, all the boys at Camp Tomahawk
0: are skinny dipping (laughs) in the middle of the day. (laughs) They're naked. For it looks you know. as if like maybe swimsuits aren't allowed. It's not like it's not like skinny <laughs> dipping undercover. It looks like they're having swimming lessons, but they're naked. Right. It doesn't make any sense. And I know that long, long ago there was a thing about swimming in pools like you'd have a boys day and a girls day and you had to swim naked and I really don't understand why that was. That's what it appeared to be. But it was 1980. So, yeah. We don't know like, why this is happening. Sometimes
2: you hear this happening in the middle of the night. Like, it's a dare, let's go skinny dipping. Right. But
0: yeah, it's the it middle of the day. That. And it's
2: not like it's three boys who it's like, that other bully uh-uh. stole our clothes. This is like a group of like 40 guys. And they're all, they're in close <laughs> proximity of each other. They're yes, like running right on, the, on, the, on dock. the swim dock. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what kind of camp, ta- uh, camp, camp Tomahawk is, but it raises a few questions. Um, okay. So as right. they're looking through the binoculars, um, one of them brings up the very good question of what are they going to do about protection? Like, you know, when they go have sex, what? And they're like, I don't know. Like, oh, this is a good, this is kind of a good question. And they actually take this seriously. So this is kind of a good point that the writers threw in here. Like, let's be, let's promote, safe, we're promoting sex, but let's promote safe sex. So what do they do? Is they decide to steal a school bus, the girls. They steal a school bus,
0: <laughs> and they are- like, joy Is this the only down. way? Is this the only way? You know, wonder. Angel,
2: of course, knows how to hotwire the school bus. And on the school bus ride, we learn that um, that Ferris has picked her mark. She has picked her mark, and that's going to be the counselor, Mr. Callahan, played by Armand Asante, a very hairy Armand so <laughs> Asante. Oh, my gosh. So is he hairy. the only male mm-hmm.
0: counselor in the camp? He's the only male- In the camp, which seems like a bad idea. (laughs) And why is he Mr. Callahan? Like, have you ever been to a camp where you called your counselors Mr. So-and-so? No, because usually the counselors are like 18. They're not like teenagers. I think
1: they were really trying to um, impress upon us that this is an older man. Like, we're calling him Mr. Callahan. He tells us he's a history teacher. Oh, He's as hairy as I'll get out compared to later when we see Matt Dillon who doesn't have a you know, yeah. He's uh, completely a, bald. Right. Mm-hmm. A strand well, of hair on his body.
2: I yeah, I see that point. But I also I think it was he a French teacher or a history teacher? I thought he might be a French teacher. He was a history teacher. Well, okay. But I think. also, don't forget that back in the late seventies, maybe maybe all the seventies, but up until the early eighties, it was very normal in a movie to see a man with a younger girl. Mm-hmm. I girl. mean, 15 yes. years old. Mm-hmm. And then what do we say, Mr. Callahan? I'm going to guess 30. He's supposed to be yeah. like 30. For sure. Ferris Tatum O'Neill is just moony. She's just a romantic, right? Like she wants to live in a romance novel. You can tell. She just believes that love is the greatest thing of all. And she tells them with you know great moony eyes that she's picked and it's going to be Mr. Callahan.
1: A side note, I did read that um, Tatum O'Neill in her autobiography wrote that she lost her virginity at the age of 14 to a man in his 30s. And she didn't even understand the age difference thing. Like that didn't even register for her. And I'm thinking, no wonder. I mean, the message we were all getting was this isn't out of the ordinary.
0: Yeah. And I have to wonder, what were the laws at that time? Like yeah. was there statutory rape back then? I was it against know. the law for a man in his thirties to have yeah. sex with a girl and when she's fourteen? I think so. I don't oh. know. I think it's a crime, y'all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So they get to the they get to the gas station. And they need Wait, to- Wait, why try are they to get, going to
0: the gas station?
2: Well, they're trying to go to the gas station, we discover, to steal condoms. Remember, they're oh, worried about okay. the protection. So we learn yes. this because um, they put poor little Penelope up over the window in the gross, grimy men's room at this old rundown gas station. And she has to squeeze through. And she's supposed to be, she's putting in like quarters to try to get condoms out. <laughs> and all the girls are waiting outside the um, bathroom door, Angel still in the driver's seat of the school bus. And up comes this really cool red car. Like a Mustang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And enter Randy, played by Matt Dillon, um, basically looks like a shirtless Christy McNichol, right? He totally <laughs> does. They have the
0: same exact hairstyle. One of you guys said that. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. that's true. They have the same hair.
2: Yeah. Is this where Matt Dillon came on you guys' radar, do you think, in yes, 1980? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah.
0: And yeah. I, was this his first role, do you think?
2: No. So he had, um, I can answer that question for you, Christy. Well, thank you. Um, Matt Dillon, he had made his feature film debut um, in 1979, so pretty recently. But it was in a film called Over the Edge and then established himself as a teen idol um, by Little Darlings and My Bodyguard, both in 1980. And then very quickly after that goes into the three S.E. Hinton book adaptations, Tex in 1982, Rumblefish in 1983. The Outsiders in 1983 and then in The Flamingo Kid in 1984. So wow. little darlings absolutely catapulted mm-hmm. him and just boom, boom, boom. Right after that, he's right.
1: working. I'm going to insert my, another fun yeah. thing. My husband Andy auditioned for the, <laughs> for the what? role. of Tex. <laughs> what sorry. are you talking about? And you know, Andy, he's just like not remotely <laughs> like Matt Dillon. Oh, and is so he know. tells us the story. Good information. And you know what? Hold on a second. (laughs) I'm thinking if I get it right or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was Don't let the truth
0: get in the way of a good story. Well,
1: (laughs) it's either that or it was supposed to be, he was supposed to be Tex's older brother. But yes, Andy auditioned for a role in the movie Tex. I think it was for Tex because the joke was he didn't get that. Of course, Matt Dillon got it. Don't ask me how Andy even, he did have, he was in plays and musicals and, and he was in some commercials, I think. You, I he, think about my husband <laughs> but like I know he went on auditions and he had like some okay. photos and stuff this you know is whatever they have a portfolio um so they must have been casting in Chicago cuz that's what yes, he was Yes they were they up. were definitely yeah. casting in Chicago I know that cuz he didn't leave Chicago
2: So um the first time Angel sets her eyes on Randy um he has his back turned toward her and the camera angle is really interesting in this it starts down at his um at the ground at his feet and it goes slowly up and it stops on his butt. And I just his think this is on. so yep. interesting. This movie is um, you know, the women are the instigators in all of this the sexual conquest and it almost objectifies men, boys in a way mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a flip on what we were used to, right? Mm-hmm. So it stops on his butt and then he does this slow burn turn towards the camera and it is a close up on Matt Dillon's face and I was never a fan. I have nothing against Matt Dillon. It just wasn't he wasn't my, my cup of tea. Either. But I'm imagining for all of you out there listening who loved Matt Dillon, that scene, that slow turn is burned in your memories forever. Absolutely. Sort of like my, the mine are when Andrew McCarthy in their
0: memories. Yeah. When, my,
2: when mine is when Andrew McCarthy stands up slowly over the computer desk and pretty and pink. That is like something that's mm-hmm. burned in my memory.
0: I feel like all, like all, all of my comments are going to be um, about something I didn't know. That's the theme of today's episode. I didn't know that we were supposed to like butts and I'm oh yeah no I didn't write. why am I I looking at his butt what is that for right
2: (laughs) okay so the girls so uh, anyway um, they introduce themselves that's when the classic line comes in where he says um, what's your name she says angel don't let the name fool you
0: what's your name anyway me yeah you I know my name
1: yeah what is
0: angel but don't let the name fool you
2: She's going to say it again in the movie. And then, like I said, it's the tagline, don't let the movie, f- don't let the title fool you. Um, uh, funny scene with Penelope, um, she, she, the machine gets stuck, the condom machine. So she just like kicks the shit out of that machine and hits it. <laughs> Basically, the whole thing comes off the wall. So when she walks out, she just, instead of having a couple condoms for them, like they sent her in for, she has the entire condom machine. So um, a condom
0: machine.
1: And I yeah. want you all to know that um, when they were standing in the front of the gas station and the front door, it says open on the front door. So I'm assuming that it's we're supposed to think that oh the gas station is open and they would have not come out and said, Hey, you're stealing our <laughs> yes. condom machine. I'm sorry, I get lost in all these things, you guys. Yes, I'm like, that is just yes. not realistic. It said
0: open. Yes. And she's That's using excellent. a baseball bat to get the condom machine <laughs> off the wall. It sounded like yeah. somebody was getting beat up. So I'm sure they would have come out and said, hey, yeah, you guys. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah.
2: And then when they get mm-hmm. back to camp, they jump on it. And basically, they have like, I don't know how like 800 condoms <laughs> fit in that machine. But it's basically like 800 condoms. And they're blowing them up like, like Penelope's blowing them up like balloons. And they're one of so you said it was excited. the first time you saw a
1: condom. You remembered that. Yeah, I it? mean, it was for me. I I don't even know. It was
0: for me, I guess, but I didn't know what it was when I was looking at
1: it. (laughs) Well, I think that's we. I don't know that I. Um. I guess I knew it was called a condom, but I remember we would refer to them as rubbers. Rubbers. Oh, same. Yeah, for yeah. For sure.
2: Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's just skip ahead. I would just want to touch real quickly though on the food fight mm-hmm. because I love this scene so much, and clearly everybody it's else does cute. too. Because if you Google "Little Darlings Food Fight," you not only get so many people that have clipped it on YouTube, but you get people that have dissected it and discuss it, and just it was oh, so fun. Funny. And what I love about that scene is. They absolutely break character in that scene. They are laugh- cause because at this point, Ferris and Angel are not supposed to be friends, right? And they're sitting next to each other and they are laughing like with you can tell just their genuine smiles. And the whole thing is so fun.
0: Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society depends on support from listeners like you to keep our podcast up and running? We are an independent operation, creating, producing, distributing, and promoting the podcast by ourselves and paying for it out of our own pockets because we love it and we think it's worth it to preserve the well-loved cultural nuggets from our Gen X youth. If you'd like to become a supporter of the PCPS, go to patreon.com P-A-T-R-E-O-N and search for Pop Culture Preservation Society. Our Patreon supporters are like our pit crew, giving us the fuel we need to keep on trucking. And as a Patreon supporter, you'll also get special thank you gifts, like video recordings of our episodes, after-the-episode discussions, invitations to live events over Zoom, and the occasional blooper delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our society.
2: Next day at the pool, as they're all doing jumping jacks with Mr. Callahan in
0: their bikinis. Oh God. So he's standing right in front of them watching. Um, Why are we Ferris- doing jumping jacks on the pool deck? I have to ask. Why batter. were we doing that? Because it's 1980.
1: I don't know. And they weren't even doing good jumping jacks. I mean, no. obviously, Penelope's just like doing a dance. And <laughs> She's doing I don't know. whatever
0: she wants. <laughs> right. And it just, and he's standing there, Mr. Callahan, leading them in a round of jumping jacks. They're, I guess it's like warm-ups before swimming lessons, but I don't ever – warming up was not a thing in the 70s. You just <laughs> got in the pool. Right. Well, you might oh, get gosh. a cramp. But anyway,
2: um That's Ferris, from eating I'm, and then swimming. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> true. like.
0: That's without right. waiting an hour, you
2: had to wait half an hour. Uh, yeah. Ferris, I'm going to use um, air quotes. She falls in the pool. I think Cinder pushes her. Um, Cinder they have this whole thing. Yeah. They have this whole thing worked out, and then she acts like she's drowning. So Mr. Callahan has to save her, um, and he has to teach her to swim. So that means he has to hold her, and she has to put her arms around him. And it's very touchy feely. And um, mm-hmm. it's obvious that Mr. Callahan is kind of into this. Um, there's no boundaries he has got his hands all over
0: her naked body. Yes,
2: of man, you know, minor, counselor, counselor, counselee.
0: It's like teacher, student, you know, you're going to get fired. No (laughs) boundaries at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. no,
2: no boundaries at all. And meanwhile, Dana and Angel are spying on Randy as he rides motorbikes, and they're like, "Yeah, he's the one that I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for." So then we have Parents Day at um, camp, and Angel's mom is there, which I thought was nice that Angel's mom showed up. I that's mm-hmm. kind of unexpected.
1: And well, see, um, you think it's unexpected, but I think that's another line in the movie is that you know this. The other mom, who's rich and has all that stuff, she's nowhere to be seen. But Angel's mom shows up and is there for her. Mm -hmm. So I thought that. I picked up on that.
2: Wow, (laughs) she's patting herself on the back. I really like that. So, Mm -hmm. but Angel asks her mom when she lost her virginity, and basically the mom is like, "It was nothing. Like it's nothing." Kind of brushes it off, and Angel says, "Then what's everybody making such a big deal about it for?" you know, because mm-hmm. think about it. She's like, what? Okay. So it's nothing. So this is basically like in her mind, this is just going to be a biological act. I'm this tough girl. I can do this, right? I'm just going right. to go basically hold my breath and get Check a box. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And this is also when we learn, so Ferris's beloved dad is there and we learn that Ferris's parents. Are getting divorced. Mom has gone to Reno, hasn't seen Ferris in a long time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Why Reno? Where is she? She's that's, in where, Reno. They she yeah, that's has, where they get divorces. Yeah, that's where they get Oh, a quickie
2: divorce. A quickie divorce. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um that night, Angel um, decides to take Randy out on a canoe. <laughs> just just, she just paddles over to Camp Tomahawk. Yeah. She does a little hoo-hoo, hoo So he knows right. it's her. I, and I know, never,
0: I got to say this because, and I know this only will bother people from Minnesota, but my God, can somebody teach her how to hold a paddle? <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to believe that she paddled all the way across the lake to get to Matt Dillon, and I'm sorry that she would have dropped. No. Somebody tell, <laughs> tell her how to hold it. Yeah. And there's no so supervision at Camp Lone
1: Wolf because- no, they, I, As they, I said, I want yeah. my money back if I'm a parent. Yes. I want they, a refund for yes. this place. She also, stole a canoe. Could, <laughs> repercussions for them stealing the school bus. You don't
0: think that that
2: went unnoticed? (laughs) They didn't Um,
0: notice that the school bus was
2: gone and that children took it? um, So she takes him. She's like, in her mind, she's just talked to mom. It's no big deal. So she's like, great, we're just going to go do this. So she takes him into the woods
0: and she just feeds him beer after beer. It's like peels off the pop top and drops it on the ground in the woods for somebody to cut their My favorite part
2: of this scene is, if I wish I could have saved the chat, so... Um so let's not forget Kristen's never seen hasn't seen this movie except for on TV, and this is decades ago. So talk about us now through our 50-something-year-old lenses, finding fault with it. First of all, she starts paddling across the lake and Kristen's writing in the chat, (laughs) someone teach her, does that, she doesn't know how to use a paddle. Then he gets in the canoe and they start paddling and Kristen's like, where are their life jackets? I'm so (laughs) concerned. They get to the woods and she gives him a beer and he pulls off, you know, 1980, he pulls off the pop top and he throws it on the ground and she's like,
0: dangerous, like something like someone's going (laughs) to step on that basically. (laughs) And then she lights up a cigarette and throws a match on the ground. A forest fire is going to start. There is so, there's so many fire starters in this, in this movie. Yes. Okay, it's really mom, hard. they're going to be know, fine. I so, know, I know. But basically, so many fire hazards.
2: as she's like, in her mind, I guess she's thinking, I've seen what, you know, mom, mom, the guy's mom brings home, they get drunk and, you know, leave the next mm-hmm. morning. So in her mind, she's like, let's get him drunk. So next thing we see is he's like laying on the ground, totally passed out. And she goes, you're supposed to get turned on, stupid, not pass out. <laughs>
0: And that's so funny because I think that's a joke for that we never would have understood. That is a joke for adults to that, that's her misconception. Yeah. That if you drink a lot, that's a turn on. It's not a turn on, it just lowers your inhibitions. <laughs> right. And then you pass out and then you get limptic and you can't do it anyway. So <laughs> it's a big mistake, Christy McNichol.
1: Sounds like you have experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Wait. like Kristen has had experience with this before. No comment. <laughs> how how does she get his his
2: passed out ass back in the canoe and paddle oh. all the way back over? And yes. what does she do? Just like toss him out? I don't know.
1: Well, that's um, a really again,
2: good point. We're gonna we're gonna move we have on. A lot
1: of good points about this. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so meanwhile, now Ferris back at camp. She's sick. Um, she's sick. The, the The nurse has to come. She's not talking to anyone. She well, she's distant with Mister Callahan too, because yes. I believe she now. You know her 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 views of romance and love are completely disillusioned now that her parents are getting a divorce, and it's almost like she's given shattered. up on love. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of for just a brief moment. She's not about this whole bet anymore, because for her, let's not forget this whole bet was about making love with someone. It really wasn't mm-hmm. who's going to lose your virginity. We learned from the beginning she's this you know starry eyed girl who wants it to be romance, and now that Mom has gone to Reno and left dear daddy she's she's sad she
0: she it's mm-hmm. kind of burst her bubble mm-hmm. she's grieving, and she can't participate in the game
2: no right no um. But Dana is still pumping Angel up. She's giving her advice, telling her what to do. Um, so Angel gets back in her canoe. <laughs> holds her paddle <laughs> in correctly. Wolf whistles again to it Randy. makes
0: it across the lake. Yeah, and in the off, dark
2: in, in the, the dark, dark yes. In the middle of the night. Yes. She rows they she rows them to an abandoned boathouse. Scary,
0: very scary. And could be scary. unsafe. You don't know if that is has a firm foundation. I mean it's on well, the loft <laughs> exposed rusty nails. Yes. Unsafe. Bats? Yes.
2: Rabbit oh, raccoons gosh. could live in there. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Most boathouses are falling into the lake. Okay, so I'm gonna just I'm going to really quickly bullet point what happens very quickly. And I want you guys to <clears> then <throat> react and tell me what you were thinking when you watch okay. this. So they get okay. in, they get out of the canoe, they go up to this loft, which again, is it stable? Is it going to fall under no. their weight? We don't well, know. he said
1: he's been there a few times, evidently. Oh. You know, I guess he, was,
2: he didn't check for the stability of the beams, no. though. <laughs> no, there was no engineer <laughs> available. No. So she immediately, Angel immediately hands him a condom. She starts to take off her clothes. She tells him to turn around. He asks, do you want my help? He kind of comes up like he's going to help her undress. Nope, doesn't want his help. She commands him basically to get undressed, but not in front of her. He's pretty stunned, Randy. He's kind of doesn't really know what to think of this, He's all these confused. directions. He hesitates, he lights a cigarette. Chris, uh, Angel, <laughs> is she's throws the match on the ground.
1: Yeah. I mean, of course he does. There's like
2: yes. hay or something. A and, and, and yes. boathouse. Also, a boathouse. There could have been a, like a gasoline can. <laughs> oh my God. I did not even think of that, Michelle. <laughs> So she's very broke though. Don't so I'm seeing Angel's very emotionally removed in this moment. It's almost like you said earlier, Kristen. She's checking off boxes as she's going through this. What are you guys thinking?
0: Well, and then it's interspersed. She's checking off boxes, interspersed with actual worry. And you can see it in her eyes, and you can tell that all these things are stalling techniques. And I am so uncomfortable. I am so glaringly uncomfortable. And he's getting irritated with her. And he's starting to act like a grade A dickwad. And it sort of becomes a stereotype of of the worst possible sexual experience ever. And that there is no romance in it. And it can be really, really harmful. Like this is what people talk about when they're like, you need to be emotionally ready. This right? is why. This is I why. Kinda, and I kind of disagree that he's
2: being a dickwad in that moment because he's confused. She's basically saying, confused, turn around. Don't yeah. come up to me. Don't take! Don't touch me. Don't take off my clothes. And she tells him about four times, don't forget to use that condom. You, I better not get pregnant. Don't forget the condom. And he's... I feel like you're seeing it as him being a dickwad. I see it because he ends up saying you talk too he's like, Forget it. You talk too yeah. much, you're a tease. Because he's sort of like, I'm like almost like, what the fuck is going on here? Right? Like Yeah. And and I don't know, I'm not saying I liked him necessarily in that moment, but I don't think I thought he was being a dick to her. I thought he was just very much reacting as like, Yeah, what the F's going on?
0: Well, as a child. Right. So what would a yeah. child do if they were irritated and confused? They would mm-hmm. act petulant and like a dickwad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> instead yeah. of instead of saying, it seems like you might not be ready for this. Perhaps we should wait. <laughs> yeah.
2: When she realizes he's done, she yeah. panics. And she's like, wait, no. Okay, we can do it now.
0: I like you. Like, she's oh, God, trying to say, like, so I like sad. you. And he's so confused. Um that, and she's confused know. too, because she, when she says, I like you, she's not checking a box. Her eyes get all glassy and shes he's trying to leave and she says, but I really like you. And she realizes she's sabotaged it. And a, I don't know if she does really like him, but her feelings How are hurt she? nonetheless. She's, she's yeah.
1: probably spent a total of... Two and a half hours with him, if that, since if she that, met him. Well, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the they do it on thing. The
2: Bachelor after two and a half hours. Wow. Well, uh, okay, also, but true. let's understand, Angel has, I mean, now we're going to get kind of into it, but Angel has had no role model of what a that's healthy right. sexual mm-hmm. relationship should be like. We're going to kind of move ahead really quickly because we're going to go um, back to the boathouse like three days later. We mm-hmm. don't know, but they both seem to understand that we were going back to the boathouse for round two. Because yes. he apologized. Mm-hmm. So they are back at the boathouse. And now they're connecting. Now they're talking to each other. He's apologizing. Feelings all of a sudden are apparently, you can tell, involved. You can tell that they like each other. They're speaking it's very softly sweeter. to each other. It's mm-hmm. sweet. Mm-hmm. He's touching her hair. He tells her she's soft. How can you be so oh, tough on so the cute. outside yeah. when yes. you're so soft? And all of a sudden, it's not just really biology now, I think, for fair, for Angel. She's kind of you can tell getting tingly, right? And mm-hmm. she's able to kind of lose herself in the feelings, and they kiss, and she smiles, and you you literally see her soften up in this moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- well, I think that's one of the sweetest lines in the whole movie is when Matt Dillon says, in his total mamoronic, you know, sort oh. of accent, he says, he says, "You talk like a guy, but your skin is so yeah. soft." <laughs> Your hair is so soft.
1: <laughs> Thank you for just bringing that up. I'm sorry. I know this is an Cold emotional over. moment and all that. But I mean, he was channeling John Travolta through yes, this whole was. thing, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. granted, in the very beginning, they talked about how many times have you seen Greece? Oh, sorry. Um, you know, and they were like, I've seen Greece six times. So I'm thinking at this point in time, we're all loving on John Travolta mm-hmm. in general. And that's who he was channeling. And I was like, you're yeah. not John Travolta. But anyway.
0: But the I accent is the real. Part. I think. I think it is. I too, mean, he yeah. could have been going for the yeah, because he's from Long Island. Well, Long I, yeah, Island. I think
1: he could do the mm-hmm. accent really oh, well. Gee. But um, yeah, okay. Well, so go they ahead. kiss.
2: They kiss. The kiss deepens. It's a nice kiss. It's not the eating your face off kiss. But it's a, it's you can tell it, the kiss yeah. got deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we realize they've had sex because you see them getting their clothes back on and they're buttoning um, their pants. That's the important part. They're buttoning their pants. You that's button that's button how we know. Yes, buttoning pants. And all of a sudden. Angel seems very uncomfortable, and she immediately just says, "You can go if you want." And here we get again. I was getting like, "This is what where her everything she's learned from her mother is coming Mm -hmm. in." You can go if you want, and he's sort of like, "Wait, what? Like, what are you talking about?" And all of a sudden, this tough guy, this tough guy persona is back. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. back. The sex is done, um, and it's back. He's very confused. Um, Angel tells him, she says, "It wasn't what I thought it would be." It was so Mm -hmm. personal. It was like you could see right through me. And as she's saying this, her eyes are just full of tears, but they're not spilling over. Like you can tell this is very emotional for her.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was so good. She was really, really good. She was able. You believed everything that came out of her mouth. And she does so much acting with her face. And Mm -hmm. she had a lot of glassy eyed well, not a, a lot. A handful of glassy-eyed scenes that were really important where she needed those right. glassy eyes and she pulled it off. So, oh, without well, a doubt. Let's, let's wonder too if, you know, they
2: say sometimes when actors have to cry, they think about, oh, a pet that I loved that died when I was nine or whatever. You know, Christine McNichol could just be drawing on some of her own very current personal struggles and feelings right now when she says to him, mm-hmm. it was so personal. It was like you could see right through me. And Randy um, kind of understandably gets kind of mad at her. Um, he, she's confusing him, right? Because now mm-hmm. Angel's crying, and she's um, she um, says making love is different than I thought it was going to be like.
1: It wasn't what I thought it would be. God, it was so personal.
2: And all of a sudden, it hits him, and he didn't know that she was a virgin. And then he just, it's so sweet. He goes right over to her and sits next to her. He puts his arm around her. He tells her he thinks he loves her, to which she replies, you don't have to.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just have to think about all of the messages she's taken in in Mm -hmm. her lifetime about (gasps) what this kind of relationship is supposed to be. And it's going to be a roadblock for her if this is how she's going to If somebody is sweet to her and she puts up a roadblock, that's going to be a tough road. She's really confused. It's really sad. It's it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
2: Meanwhile, back at camp, Ferris um, goes to Mr. Callahan's cabin. Um, he's, um, you know, he's got a bottle of wine open, some candles. He's listening to Vivaldi and writing is what we can only assume yes. is like the great American type romance writer. novel. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, she is in a virginal white nightgown with a little white bow in her hair. <laughs> she and left he her cabin, her, went across camp in her nightie. Yeah, she's hamming it up with the flirting. She's like, "I feel dizzy," and um, she tells him, "Oh, Gary, I'm in the flower of my youth," and she's just she's going on and on, and she's like, literally, like talking like she's in a Jane Austen novel or something mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, I guess this is his boundary. He sits down next to her on the couch, puts his arm oh, around very her, very close to her. Oh, yes. God. yes. But she then tells him she's dying, and she puckers up and she leans in, and he doesn't do anything. And she kind and she's of just smiles. hanging in there. Just hanging
0: yeah. in there with her lips out.
2: Yeah. She kind of just smiles and then she says, You sort of want me, don't
1: you? Oh God. What? And yeah, but he kind of hesitates. I mean, there's like mm-hmm. a you can tell that he's thinking about it. N- not that he would ever say yes or whatever, but there's um enough of a pause there to make you go, huh? Like if yeah. she was a little older.
0: Yeah. Well And he she tells, says that, what if yeah. I was a little older?
2: Yeah. So he tells so basically mm-hmm. Gary, with his arm around her and his face, what do you guys think? Maybe four inches from her face? As if they're gonna make out. That's how close yeah. they are. Yeah. He tells her he's not a Prince, he's a teacher. Um, she tells him, but I'm the one of the only virgins in camp and this would be like a learning experience. Like so teach me. If you're a teacher, oh, teach me. Oh yeah, that um, line, teach me. And then she says, well, could I at least stay the night, like, just for appearances? <laughs> at camp? For yeah, appearances. At, for yes. appearances. Yeah. So basically, he's like, no. They go out. She says, if I were 21. And he says, I think I'd fall madly in love with you. Oh, my Wrong God. Move, like move, Gary. Big, yeah. Just bad Mm-mm. move. Mm-mm. I feel like Mm-mm. there should have just been, like... Big red buzzer, big red light buzzers going on. Right. So,
0: and this is the thing that bothers me about that one-sided thing. Like, this would be a very accurate and true and poignant story if it was a if it was a one-sided crush on her side. But when he participates in it, now it's creepy and it completely. And because he participates in it, even just to that extent, not
2: not even agreeing to have sex with her, but just to the extent of the um the whole. I think I'd fall madly in love with you. That's yeah. almost all she needs to hear because let's not forget who she is at her core. So mm-hmm. she walks back into the cabin all dreamy and again, starry eyed, right? And all the other cabin girls think that she did it. And she just, she's, glowing. She's, she's well, glowing. she's glowing because mm-hmm. she basically did just have this very romantic encounter. With Mr. Callahan, let's face it, it was pretty romantic. Mm -hmm. He sat next to her. He put his arm around her. They were in his cabin. There was Vivaldi playing. Um, (laughs) She thinks everything that happened was just very romantic. And so basically, the girls all think she did it. So then she just goes along with the ruse and she. And she's the winner. Just tells them. Yeah. Basically, mm -hmm. she creates a story straight out of a romance novel. Um, Mm -hmm. Angel comes in after her night at the her second night at the boathouse and they all rush to her and she just shakes her head. Nope. Congratulations, Ferris. She says, basically you won because and she does not. And there's a big pause
0: there. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. like, you're wondering what Christy McNichol's going to say because she has, a, she's smiling, she's smiling and she says, I'm sorry, you guys. Like she decided in that moment, she's going, what should I do? And she decides why? to keep that.
1: To so herself. why, right.
2: what are you guys thinking? Why does she, why does she lie? We it's know why serious. Ferris lies, I think. Why did yeah. Angel yeah. lie?
1: No, I agree with you, Kristen. It's too serious. It's like it, it actually mm-hmm. meant something. Um, it wasn't this bet anymore, and she had feelings for him, and, yeah, she wanted that to be her thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, completely. It, she couldn't participate in a game in which yeah, she – Yeah, in a game. Yeah. Uh, something that she found out was a bigger deal than she thought it would be. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of growth in her character, don't you guys think?
0: There um, really yeah. is. Her arc is really interesting. I don't want to yeah. jump ahead to the very end, but you really see
2: Yeah, what the point is
0: for her. We're almost at
2: the end, and we can just say one little plot point that really goes nowhere but we don't like is that mm-hmm. um, Randy shows up at the big, you know, of course there has to be a camp end-of-camp play, and it happens to be Pirates of Penzance. Course. Penzance? 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 Depends and, on who um, you talk to. Cinder <laughs> decides to tell Randy about the bet. And so, of course, he's upset. In a cruel
0: fashion, too. Yes. She's oh. like, didn't you know it was a game? Yeah, and then Ugh. he's
2: like, what do you do now? What Would you right. do mm-hmm. and know? And then he ends doing? up sitting with his arm around her, which Angel sees. Um, and Angel runs off. Randy follows. And he tells her he knows about the bet. Like, basically... That was a horrible game. I think he calls it a game. That's a horrible game to play. And she tells him, but I didn't tell anybody we did it. Like that's, it meant, I think that's kind of what that's insinuating. And I think he gets that because he immediately flips over and he says, I want to give it a shot with you. But she says, no. Mm -hmm. And she's crying. She says, I'll never forget you.
1: She has that great line about, you know, we started in the middle Mm -hmm. um, and I think she Doesn't think that's fair to either of them, and she wants the opportunity for herself to probably start in the beginning and really have a relationship. develop from there they didn't have the get to know you all of that in the beginning so um, yeah
0: and that's pivotal and i can see it's where all of my ooky feelings come from and all of my uncomfortable feelings come from is because they didn't know each other and for Mm -hmm. some people you know you do you you some for some people that's not important for other people you have your your lines that you have to stick to and i can't even hold somebody's hand if i don't know them it just feels disgusting and she, so I think it's almost that she didn't even like him in that way. She didn't even have a crush on him in that way. She doesn't want to be with him. But this thing that they've shared together is really big and important to her, so she's crying. We're not oh, going to yeah. stay together. But yeah, this yeah. was a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: And now, meanwhile, Gary... Mr. Callahan has... We think... He's not gotten fired. He's gotten reprimanded because he's just drinking Budweiser's <laughs> in his cabin. And he his Ferris comes garnished. up to apologize because it, it has... The, the, the rumor or the... What everybody thinks is fact that Ferris and Mr. Callahan had sex has spread like wildfire through the camp and you know uh, apparently no must call the cops or anything li- oh no you know he's not arrested no. i don't even think he's fired because at the end we no. see he's still got his clipboard so um but before they decide they're going to tell everyone the truth there's a really sweet scene between Ferris and Angel and they're sitting on tire swings and Ferris admits that she lied and Angel admits she did too but without even saying it and yeah. she's just sitting there smoking a cigarette and the tears in her eyes just build and build and she, they finally spill, and she just like wipes out her face with her hand. And it's such a great She's scene so by good. Christy McNichol. Yeah. You
0: guys, it is, it's is—it's shockingly good for a girl of that age to be able mm-hmm. to handle an emotional scene so realistically. I mean, that whole movie was full of child actors, and there wasn't a dot in the bunch. All of them it, were able to handle this, these scenes really authentically, and you believed every single one of them. But Christy McNichol had the biggest load to carry. Biggest mm-hmm. load to carry? I don't, that sounds weird. Mm-hmm. She had the biggest job. Up.
1: And she yeah. pulled it off. Oh, definitely. No, very believable. My heart was breaking during these uh-huh. scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, Kristen
2: McNichol was actually nominated for um um a Young Artist Award for Best Actress, Young Actress in a Major Motion Picture. She was. For this movie, yeah.
0: Oh, I feel good about that. Yeah. Oh,
2: good. Um. Okay. So um. So you can tell that they they come to peace with everything that's happened over the summer. And you can kind of tell that they come to peace with each other and they get their their cabin mates around the campfire and they decide that we have to go and tell the truth. We have to go and tell the truth about Ferris and Mr. Callahan. And um, Cinder doesn't like that. Um, She says, that's, you guys basically are all wussing out. This is terrible. Nobody is on Team Ferris or Team Angel anymore. They're all Team Ferris and Angel against Mm -hmm. Team Cinder. Even mm-hmm. so much as little sunshine stands up and just punches her straight in the face. Punches her in the face,
0: and they all start admitting. I mean, they're children, and they all—it's kind of right. comical because they're like, "No, I've never done it either. No, I've done it. I haven't done it. I haven't done it." I love and that We're supposed to believe that all these little girls have had sex before, right. and it was just a ruse. I bet I did, though, when I watched it. I bet I did, mm-hmm. even though I love it when
2: when little sunshine is like. No. She's like, you've done nothing? She's like, nothing. And I think I commented to you guys in the chat, like all caps, of course, she's 11 years old. Like, (laughs) she's so
0: That's the believable part, that she's done nothing.
2: So it ends with, we can tell that Mr. Callahan has gotten reinstated in the camp's good graces because he's got his clipboard and he's checking people out, you know, as they get on the bus. And- Basically, though, engages in another little flirty conversation, like as if he's learned nothing. Oh, God. flirty right. conversation with Ferris as she boards the bus. Um, they get back for their parents to pick them up, and it's really cute. And Angel's mom picks her up, and Angel is like, basically, like, dude, why did you tell me sex wasn't meaningful? Her mom's kind of like, yes. what? And she says,
0: you've been hanging around creeps way too long, and we're going to change that. Something to that effect. This it was is really her cute. arc; like, she is yeah. understanding now that this is a big deal. Her mom is treating this very casually. And again, mm-hmm. you do what you want, but she, but she's right. feeling like she wants more for her mom. And right. that is such a cool place for her to land. Oh, that is
2: 100% what I got out of it too. That like, yeah. mom, oh, you too. need to see how this could be. Um, I just sort yeah. of had a, a, a brief glimpse into it. And then Ferris's dad picks her up and they introduce each other and they say, this is my friend, Angel. Right. And Angel says, this is my best friend, Ferris, right. and it's yeah. very cute. And then the movie ends, and I'm going to decide then that then the Angel's mom-, mom and Ferris's dad yes. get married, and they become sisters. That's, right. that's
1: exactly and- <laughs> what I was going to say. I think that. Oh, I didn't exactly even leave too. that
0: far. That's so funny. Yes, that's what I was. And we'll be a happy too. family. Isn't that yeah, so cute? That's I so love sweet. that. It's um, a much uh, bigger movie than I thought it was. It's a much more important movie than I thought it was. It's so They say so much about growing up, about um, who you are when you're 11, 12, 13, 14, who you think you want to be, and who you really want to be.
1: Right. Right.
0: Right.
2: And I'll leave you with um, um, Roger Ebert again, um, because he kind of agrees. Again, he says... Well, he criticized the tonal inconsistencies of the film, which I think we all kind of do that a little bit, but noted that the scenes in which the characters actually confront the realities of sex are handled so thoughtfully and tastefully that they almost seem to belong to another movie. Because I do believe that they're very mature. Well, okay, that's a little bit of a backwards compliment. But at the same time, I think that he's agreeing with us. Um, So Roger Ebert's agreeing with us, guys. Right. Um, (laughs) That, you know, even a critic such as Roger Ebert was recognizing that um, they handled some mature content and they did it well. Um, yeah. Um, last fun fact, though: um, Did you know Brooke Shields was originally offered the part of Angel, but her price was too high? She was offered oh, the part. No
1: I don't know that way. She done it. I agree. The That's producers say
2: that ended up being so basically fortuitous because they say they can't imagine. Angel being Mm-mm. anybody but Mm-mm. Christy McNichol.
0: It would have been a completely, she just did it so well. She mm-hmm. just, yes. She it did. was a hard, it was a hard role to play and she <laughs> could bring that to it. I think mm-hmm. Little Darlings is a movie that may not be remembered by a broader swath of society, but it is remembered by us, by we Gen Xers, especially if you fell into the 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 range. Because mm-hmm. that's a really important time to see a movie like this. It contains all the hard topics of youth, all of the topics that are raining down on you as you're kind of rounding the corner into adolescence or rounding the corner into adulthood. It's got obviously sex. It's got birth control, divorce, drinking, boys. The do I like him? Do I not like him? And then what do you do about that? These were all the things that were landing on our plates at this moment in time. And that makes little darlings legendary for people like us. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next week.
1: Yes, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And believe it or not, I have a lot more fun facts about this movie that we just didn't have time to share. I'm going to share them in the weekly reader. So please make sure and if you're not already subscribed, do that by visiting our website or on our link tree on Instagram. Yeah, and our weekly reader is basically
2: just a fun uh, email that comes to you every Friday morning and just has a lot of little extras about the show from um, that week and then just other fun stuff that we feel like sharing. (laughs) Uh, to yeah. all of you who support us by listening, and to those of you who take that support to the next level by sharing our podcast with others, and to those who really go the extra mile by taking the one minute, maybe one less than one minute, to follow wherever it is you listen and click those stars. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to those of you who have written one of the many lovely reviews we have on Apple Podcasts, you guys are off the charts amazing. Thank you. and. To our supporters on Patreon, there's honestly not even a high enough level for the amount of support you give us. You guys honestly keep this whole thing trucking, and we couldn't do this without you. Today, we are thrilled to welcome these newest patrons to the class, Sharon, Lisa, Amy, Valerie, Allie, and Michelle. Cool name. It's honestly, it's not me, you guys. It's, it's, it's an actual show, <laughs> um, And I think there's two of them. Um, welcome to all of you. And we hope you're enjoying all the fun and exclusive perks that you're getting by being one of our Patreon supporters. Um, and to the rest of you listening, if you'd like to check out our Patreon page, it's so easy. There's a link in these show notes, a link in our Instagram bio, or you can just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and type our name right up in the search bubble.
0: In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days.
1: Two Little House on the Prairie. Cheers! Cheers!